Today we continue a series that we have started on the parables of Jesus. Now I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, a few chapters as we have been taking these parables in a chronological order. But today, as we look at and experience the events of the world that are taking place around us, sickness, disaster, fires, floods, temperatures, wars, masks, vaccinations, a lot of different things has come to the point that many of you do not even want to watch a news broadcast because you go away from it feeling so down and out. You feel challenged. You feel that the hour is upon us, uh, the hour of the return of Jesus Christ. That could very well be. So with that thought in mind, what I want us to do is to frame in our mind the question, are you ready to meet Jesus? Are you ready to meet our Lord? Are you prepared to meet Jesus Christ. In response to the disciples' request as you move on into the book of Matthew, you find that the disciples ask the Lord Jesus Christ for signs and signals. When he speaks of the fact that he will be leaving them but return one day, in the book of Matthew, the 24th chapter, verse number 3 and on, Jesus spoke to them about the last days and he made it clear that the end would not come immediately, but only after considerable time in various troubles. And today, as we deal with troubles, sickness, health issues, national disasters, godliness in our world, many of us who are followers of Jesus Christ are wondering is the day coming soon that our Lord will appear? This is a question that's commonly asked of me as a pastor. How do we know, pastor? Or at the end of conversations, people will say, the time is near. Well, our Lord did issue some various warnings in Matthew, the 24th chapter in verses 4 and 5, 10 and 11 and verses 23 through 28. And I encourage you to look at these at another time because during these troubled times, there will be many intruders also that he speaks of that will seek to turn men's attention, our attention as Christians even, our attention and affection away from Jesus Christ onto other issues of this world. In verses uh, 20, uh, verse, uh, chapter 24, verses 32 through 51 in the book of Matthew, Jesus speaks of his disciples in what they can know and what they cannot know. And on the basis of both, he gives <clears throat> specific words of instruction regarding the last days. Now, before we dig into the text today, I want to try to help set the stage. And I will do so by sharing with you an event that took place in my life and my wife's life just in the last few years. It was on a visit to a city that is just south of New Delhi in India. The name of the city is that of Jaipur. 
Jaipur is a city that was established in the year of 1727. It's a city that's known as the pink city due to the colors of the building, and cetera, and the soil that uh, was transferred to some of the, the exterior of the building and the colors of that particular area. It was a capital of one of the states of India. I tell you this story because I have had experiences with many different types of weddings as a pastor over the years. But we went and attended a wedding, and this particular wedding was one of the most elaborate wedding celebrations that I had ever been around. We hired a guide to take us through this area and also a driver. Our guide was invited to a Hindu wedding. He had cleared with the groom that he had to work that day, and he had a couple of Americans with him. We were also invited to the wedding. This wedding that we went to, it was at the end of the day, and we went to the groom's home. And as we went to the groom's home, we found that it was lined with red carpet going out to the street. It looked like a Hollywood stage setting as they were preparing for something big to happen. As we looked around, we noticed that there were horses that were arriving, getting ready for the march of the groom to go to the celebration of meeting the bride. Not only were there horses, but there were many camels that were present. Now, I understand that this does not sound like an evangel temple wedding, at least any that I have experienced. And not only were there camels, but there were elephants. And the elephants showed up, and there were many, many individuals that were in charge of rolling light bars. These were lights that were on stands, and they turned multiple colors, and they brightened the street up as this parade would take place and go to a hotel. As you got to the hotel, there was an entrance to the hotel that was staged, and it looked like a winter wonderland here in the country of India. And then there was the food. The food was uh, tables of food that were approximately 150 feet on each side of a space that was the size of a football field. This was all done in celebration of a groom arriving to a wedding. Now, let's jump ahead a little bit and let's put our text that we are going to look at today into context because I want to speak for a moment about the ancient Jewish marriage, which consisted of two ceremonies. When a Jewish individual was married, there was the engagement ceremony and there was that of the wedding. And each ceremony was marked with great celebration, somewhat like I have shared with you this morning concerning this Hindu wedding that we were part of. The two celebrations would be separated by an inter, uh, uh, it would be separated by a, a, a period of time. It could be anywhere from a short period of time between the engagement and the wedding to up to one or two years. But the point is, as we experienced, it was the groom's father who decided that the preparations were complete and the wedding could proceed. 
It was the groom's dad who called the shots. At the engagement celebration in the culture of the Jewish time, the woman was legally married, although she remained at her father's home too until this special day. The groom would return to his father's house to prepare a new home for the bride. The wedding procession was a loud and colorful one like we experienced in India. And even that consisted of a large parade of people that followed along as we did. The groom would make his way to the bride's home. And then he would take her from her father's house and he would bring her to his new house. The house that they would now share. The bride never knew, supposedly, in what I read and what I've told, when the groom would show up. Interesting. That means those of you that, uh, those of you ladies that lived during this time, you would have to be prepared. Always prepared, always living in expectation of the arrival of the groom, your new husband. She always kept a lamp burning just like Motel 6 because she was prepared if he would arrive in the middle of the night. This week, I had a memorial service for a man who was part of this congregation, a well-respected individual by the name of Murray Bazaar. Murray was in World War II. He was in the U.S. Marine Corps. He was honored at this funeral service, memorial service, with ultimate honors at the service as well as at the burial point. The scripture that I used was one from the book of John, the 14th chapter. It was a text that I used not to honor him, but to prepare each one of us, those who are at that service, to remind them that Jesus is a bridegroom. And before he left, he promised that after everything had been prepared, he would come back. The text is found in John 14, the second verse through the third verse. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would not tell you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. That is a promise to each one of us who know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Jesus also made a couple other things very clear to the disciples. He said things are going to happen in the meantime. Things are going to take place. And only my Father knows the time when it's right for me to come and get you. And since neither of us know when that will be, get ready and remain ready. Be prepared, in other words, at a moment's notice. In our text today that we will look at, Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven to virgins of the traditional Jewish wedding ceremony. Why virgins? Well, this word could be translated as bridesmaids as well, as it was customary for intimate friends of the bride to be her bridesmaid. And it was also customary that these women were between the age of 12 and 20, and they were unmarried. 
they were virgins. In my neighborhood, and I live in a neighborhood that's not far from the church, Spring Creek, the particular part of my neighborhood has no street lights. I understand that when our particular area, just a short street which backs up to the nature center, they wanted to keep things kind of natural. So the residents decided no street lights in this area. What we do have is mailbox lights. Mailbox lights that light the pathway in the darkness of our neighborhood. We are all supposed to be responsible for having these lights that come on and be prepared that each evening they come on automatically. Mailbox lights light up the pathway for those that may come through our subdivision. The virgins in our parable that we will read about today had a specific task. In the Jewish wedding ceremony, and that was that of lighting the pathway. Lighting the pathway for the wedding processional, just as you saw in the Hindu wedding, that there were light pe people of light that had these light bars and different types of lights to light the pathway. There were no street lamps, and the darkness could create some movement challenges for a wedding party, so their job was very important. It was a very significant part of the wedding. Today we have bridesmaids, and I instruct the bridesmaids what their job is to do. They tend to the bride. They take care of the dress. They make sure that everything is photo finished and it's ready for the wedding as we go to the platform. They get things squared away. And being that these bridesmaids in our text today had a significant part, and they were very significant to the bride. They were given this very important role during the wedding ceremony. And it was expected that these virgins or bridesmaids were prepared for whatever took place. Just as in a wedding today, the bridesmaid is to be prepared to assist the bride. It was expected that they'd be ready and they would be prepared for anything. I tell you all of this. Because anyone who is listening to Jesus Christ in the context of what we are going to read today totally understood, understood and they would relate and they would know the responsibility and the need to be prepared. And that's why this story is so effective among those that Jesus was teaching and it should be among us today. If you have your Bible with you, I ask you to take it and follow along with me. You may have a different translation, and that's fine. And uh, it will be in Matthew, the 25th chapter. We will look at verses 1 through 13. Those of you that are at home, um, if you're driving, I don't want you reading your Bible, but I encourage you at home, you take your Bible and follow along. This is the parable of the ten virgins. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and they went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy. They fell asleep. At midnight, the cry, the cry rang out, 
Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And then all the virgins woke up, they trimmed their lamps, and the foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, they may, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I do not know you. Therefore, and here's the punchline. This is the, the meaning behind Christ's story. Keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. The day of the hour has been something that many people have been curious about for years and years. And again, you and I live in a day where we are quite curious. Is this the hour? The 10 bridesmaids represent here God's people, those who have accepted the wedding invitation. Are you prepared today? Have you accepted the invitation of Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ knocks at the door of our hearts. Have you taken that step and invited him into your life? You see, at first, these people are filled with great anticipation, like any new experience in life. People are filled with anticipation. The groom is coming, and he's coming soon, anytime now. But he doesn't arrive, according to this parable. And as everyone knows, waiting can be exhausting. Just ask anyone who has been at an ER room in recent days. Someone who has gone to the emergency room. Waiting can be worse than the symptoms that you take to that hospital. And Joe Cox says, amen. Because she just experienced sitting for 24 hours before any type of uh, transition took place. And you know, waiting can be exhausting. Those of us who have waited, boredom can eat you alive. Boredom can make your eyelids grow heavily. My son is a federal agent, and one of the things that he enjoys is that he is not on protection duty because he said, Dad, for some days you can sit for 12 hours just looking at a doorknob, looking at a doorknob protecting who's on the other side of that doorknob. And eyelids set one by one, heavy, they grow heavy. Someone yawns in the, yawns, yawns, um, New England here, help me out. Somebody yawns in the corner. That means they're gasping for air. And finally, the lamps go out in our story today. You see, boredom sets in. Everyone falls asleep. We all fall asleep. Some of you are there right now, and I, I'm not going to point you out. But those who have had the experience of keeping watch over, over a sick person, and especially in these days that we live in, Many of you have had the opportunity to sit and look over somebody that's having a tough night, somebody that's, that's experiencing symptoms, and a loved one that's close to you. And you know what it is to fight off sleep. 
You know what it is to sit there. You do everything in your power to stay awake. You use every ounce of your strength and you draw on the resources that you have so you will not fall asleep. You love this person. You want to be by them. The same happens in life, though. You see, we go through life and we try with our might to stay alert. But sometimes we just relax and we fall asleep. The message is stay alert, be prepared. We fall asleep out of being tired. We can fall asleep out of distrust. We can fall asleep because we're disappointed with something or someone. We can fall asleep because we don't want to see the truth of things around us. And so therefore, we can fall asleep. We fall asleep because <clears throat> we are superficial or because we have lost the courage to hold on just a little longer. This passage that we read today in the gospel, this parable from Matthew 25 describes the sleeplessness or the sleepiness that spreads through a community that becomes tired of waiting for the bridegroom. The warning today is do not become tired of waiting for the bridegroom. Be individuals that are prepared. It should be a night of celebration. It should be a night of joy because what we have been waiting for is happening. That Jesus Christ returns. That one night brings a fullness of life. But instead, the night that we read about becomes somewhat of a frustration. And it can be for us in life because things don't happen just the way that we may want them to happen. We may lose a loved one. Someone may be sick. There may be areas of our life that are super challenged. And God doesn't work according to our schedules. And the bridegroom does not arrive when we want the bridegroom to arrive. Be prepared. Be ready. According to this parable, everyone falls asleep. Both the wise virgin and bridesmaids and the foolish ones, they all fall asleep. And it's to say that sleeping is part of life. But it's not avoiding sleep that identifies the wise from the foolish in this story. This parable centers on different symbols. We can't talk about them all today. We don't have time. But the lamp and the oil. They are common symbols throughout the Bible. The lamp reminds us that Jesus' invitation is that of, to each one of us to be the lights in this world. That we may be the light in this world, that we may not cover our light under a bushel basket, but it may shine. It reminds us that we should not be wasted and hide uh, what God has given us and waste that time. It reminds us that we should be a city on a hill that shines for the cause of Christ and that those who walk the wayfare can see that there's something different about us. Just as our lives should shine for others and help them find their way along the path. The ten virgins, the ten bridesmaids with their lamps especially remind us of the community invited to dance with joy. A community of believers that are invited to celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ, the bridegroom. It's a symbol of the church called to wait joyfully for the coming of Jesus Christ. Are you waiting joyfully 
Or is this something of a cause of concern? Does this put fear in your heart? Are you not prepared or are you prepared? The lamp, however, we see in this parable, at least some of them need oil. And we know that lamps need oil to shine. And it is the oil used to keep watch for the welcome of the bridegroom. The oil of welcoming. But oil is also what the Good Samaritan used to to heal the wounds of a man beaten down in life. And above all, oil is used to anoint and to consecrate the Messiah. He for whom our hearts continuously hope. There's much symbolism in this parable. But therefore, oil is a symbol of the very depth in in very personal gestures. And perhaps it is for this reason the foolish bridesmaids have little results, little luck at the time they go to the marketplace. You see, there are things in life that we must do alone, things that no one else can do for us. There are situations that we must be prepared for because there won't be another opportunity. If God is speaking to your heart today, I pray at this moment that you would say, Jesus Christ, come into my life. Jesus Christ, put the oil in my lamp. The problem here with the foolish virgins is not sleepiness, but it's something more fundamental. They never took care of the lamps that they were given. If you read the text, they didn't have the oil. The bridegroom even says, I'm sorry, I didn't know you. I pray that that would not happen to anyone who listens to the sound of my voice, that in our lives we have the opportunity and that we need to take care of that relationship we have with Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you as we come upon the 20th anniversary of 9-11. If you have the opportunity, read the book that was written by our own John Ashcroft. The book is titled Never Again, and it tells the story, the untold story behind the war on terror in the post 9-11 time. And as we come up on this 20th anniversary, it's important that we read that history and we read the wisdom that was exercised during that time. I tell you that, not only do I encourage you to read that book, but also Never Again. The title of the book, as I understand it, is a phrase that was passed on to John from the President of the United States. I also tell you this story because I probably could have written a book by the same title, and then that title would not have been available to John. You see, never again. I remember shortly after I got married, I ran out of gas with Lil in the car, and she told me, never again. Never again will this happen. And how many of you have ever run out of fuel in your car? You know exactly what that is like. In most audiences, nearly everyone has gone through that experience. And you've heard somebody in the car complain, never again, don't let this happen. Matter of fact, last year, over 500,000 people were rescued by uh, different uh, types of rescue services like AAA on the side of the road. Not for a flat tire, not because they had something happen that uh, a part failed in their engine, but it was because of lack of fuel. And they were rescued. 
And I believe that we will discover that these five foolish virgins did not actually run out of oil. They probably never had it. You see, gauges in cars today will tell us everything. They'll put a light on and say, hey, you're on reserve. And then something may come up on the digital screen that says, you've only got another 65 miles. You're going to be out of fuel. You try driving an old car where the fuel gauge is a cork just floating around in the gas tank. And, or if you're lucky, you do have some type of a gauge. But you know, the, it boils down to one excuse. We don't have an excuse other than neglect. We neglected to stop at Costco or Sam or wherever your place is that you fill up. Oh, I'm unprepared, unprepared. And I believe that we will discover that the five foolish virgins, as I said, they probably never had the fuel, never had it. The five foolish bridesmaids had made a simple life choice not to bring extra oil. And as a result, they were not prepared for the groom and the unexpected arrival. The results was to be locked outside. I pray that we're prepared, that we are ready. And just because you may look right, by the way, you may be sitting here today, you may religiously listen to me each week. You may tune in and You've got everything looking good. First Samuel 16 chapter, the seventh verse. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the th things that man looks at, the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at our heart. What is your appearance? It's possible to look like a Christian. You can talk like a Christian. You can carry a Bible, you can watch every broadcast that takes place, but yet you can be unprepared in your Christianity because it is only skin deep. May your heart be prepared. May things in your life be in order. You have no actual relationship with Jesus Christ. You can love the church, but loving Jesus is something completely different. Have you been transformed into the image the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ. You don't know him, possibly, and he doesn't know you. That's a big risk. There are many normal and everyday things that can distract us in this life. Our work can distract us. The chores of the day can distract us. Bills can get our attention. Groceries need to be purchased. And the list goes on and on. And it's vital that we do not get caught up in the routines of this world and forget our relationship with Jesus Christ. We may not even notice that the spiritual oil is missing. We may not even notice that things are going dry until it's too late. A relationship with Jesus Christ will not just happen. As you reread this text in verses 8 and 9, the foolish one said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are, gonna, are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go and buy the oil at the marketplace yourself. This seems to be a bit harsh on the part of those that are there. And uh, why didn't they share their oil? I think we have to remember the bigger question here, 
in this parable? Are you ready for the return of Jesus Christ? You cannot acquire a relationship with Jesus through osmosis or just tuning in to the internet on a website. You must make that relationship with Christ personally. You cannot um, have a relationship with Jesus Christ thinking that faith rubs off from the person that you're sitting close to right now. And uh, you can have this vital relationship because they have it. You cannot catch faith like you catch the COVID. You cannot borrow it from your parents. You cannot transfer spiritual growth. A relationship with Jesus Christ is intentional. It is a relationship where we invite him into our hearts. The five foolish bridesmaids made her appeared to be righteous. They might have appeared to be religious and so on, but it's evident they were devoid of the Holy Spirit. Instead of living lives that had been truly transformed by the power of Christ, they were playing the part. I am certain that Jesus ended his sermon, this parable, the way he did, because humans find it so easy to focus on one aspect of the story, they might have thought, wow, weddings are great. They might have focused on the event while totally ignoring the most important part, and that is to be prepared. We Assembly of God people, we evangelicals, are really well known for a few things in life. We are known for food. <laughs> we're known for uh, the gifts of the Spirit, and we're known for end-time prophecy. And when it comes to end time prophecy, much of what we focus on is the events themselves, wars, diseases, disasters that are taking place today. And every time there's a war, the stock market crashes, we sound the alarm. It's a sign. Jesus is on his way soon, any time now. And I believe that. But recently, I'll tell you a story real quick. Nine o'clock at night, I'm driving on the Massachusetts Turnpike with my wife, and we're looking for an exit. And I missed the exit because I was concentrating so hard on looking for the signs. And I went by, and it cost me about 10 miles. I was looking for the sign, but there the exit was right in front of me. I knew it was exit 56. I had to go up the road and come all the way back. Signs are important, but let's not lose sight of the importance of being prepared. Otherwise, we will miss out. The final scripture is from 2 uh, Peter, the third chapter, verse 8 and on. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. And since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. As you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming, the day will bring about 
the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with the promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Jesus Christ, let us be prepared. It doesn't mean when the bridegroom returns and all these things that happen in the meantime should, should not be our focus. It, 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 uh, we must be ready. We must be ready that we're prepared. And I thank God that he has given us this warning. Take time. Let us fill our lamps with oil and take time to keep watching and be prepared because we shall see the king. We shall see the king. Would you stand with me and let's pray together today. Father, forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, for not always being ready for your return. Father, we thank you that you've given us that promise and help us to, to live our lives like we really believe that you're coming back for us. We shall see you when you come, Lord. That would be our prayer. And Father, we do not want to be caught unprepared, but Father, we want to be prepared. And Lord, we invite you into our hearts at this very moment. Jesus Christ, come in and forgive me of my sins because it is our desire that we shall see you and be with you forever one day. Amen. Amen. Amen.